Hey, it's Zachy. Earlier this season, Kay told us about their experience being non-binary and about the extraordinary community of drag queens and kings that they're a part of. We wanted to hear more, so we followed up with the artist formerly known as Andon to hear all about the Israeli drag scene. You're listening to... Israel Underground. know a lot about drag. While most of us have seen or at least heard of RuPaul's Drag Race, the communal base of knowledge doesn't extend much further than that it's a form of performance where usually men dress up as usually women. From what we've managed to learn about the LGBTQ community, however, we were sure there was a lot more to understand. Is drag inherently connected to trans or non-binary gender identities? Who does drag? What is a drag show? And perhaps most importantly, how are people learning to do such fierce contouring? We wanted to know what the Israeli drag scene is all about, so we invited Zoya, who performs as the artist formerly known as Anton, to grant us her wisdom and share her expertise. My name is Zoya. I'm 30. I'm going to be 32 years old. Oh, my God. Um, I live in Jaffa, born originally in the Ukraine, uh, and I'm a drag okay. king. Um, before we get too deep into uh, kind of what that means and the implications of that, hit me with your pronouns real quick, just to make sure that I'm... You can call me whatever you like, just like RuPaul said, just as long as you call me. You can call me Judy, you can call me they, them, he, her, whatever you want. Fair enough. Can't, can't miss. Basically. You can't miss with that, as long as you call me. Okay, cool. So to, to kick things off, I want to you know start kind of a, with a general look. Um, can you give me an idea of what drag is uh, kind of a, as a whole, as, as an idea? And, and I'm specifically curious about how you discovered it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So drag is, uh, well, the widest definition that I can give to it is an act of, on stage or in film or any kind of performance act that involves a play on gender. The thing that we are usually encountering is uh, male or assigned male at birth people who uh, perform as uh, females on stage, but we can see drag in all forms. And basically all kinds of performers that we don't care what their assigned gender or sex is, that perform gender in various and different ways on stage and film, and anywhere around it. It matters a lot to me to say that it, it's a play on gender and it's, it's not about crossing genders because I feel that gender is uh, not a binary concept. So when you play with it, it can be more than from one to two or from zero to one or whatever you would look at. It. Um, I discovered drag, I think, well, it's a very hard question because we're exposed to drag all the time, whether it's uh, mainstream movies like, I don't know, Mrs. Doubtfire, um, Victor Victoria, or even, I don't know, watching Peter Pan on stage. Uh, so I think we've all been exposed and discovered drag or the concept of playing with gender as a way of performance uh, very soon, uh, very early in our, um, in our lives. Uh, but to discover the idea of drag, like to me, I think I discovered it when I was around 17, 18. I was uh, friends with a bunch of uh, queer kids from Netanya where I grew up. And um, I was very much in the closet and they were very much 
not in the closet. And they started going to this um, drag show that was happening in Jerusalem and saying how cool drag is. And then I asked them what they were doing and they said, yeah, we're also performing and said, how are you performing? And then they said that they dress up as boys. And I uh, looked at them and I said, well, that's stupid. And <laughs> that was my discovery of the art form of drag. Uh, but then a few years later, uh, after they have all become either successful drag artists or uh, just stopped doing that and moved to Berlin, um, they suddenly invited me to perform at one of their drag shows. And I said, well, why not? I don't think it's stupid anymore. It's kind of nice. Uh, and then I tried doing it once. First time I performed as a female character. I called myself Lady Mary. And um, second time I performed as a male character. And, and then I just couldn't stop because I found out that it's an amazing form of performance. And it's not only not stupid, but it's probably my favorite for performance you, this show that you uh that you attended um your first show this was uh here in israel mm -hmm. and can you tell me a little bit more about what the drag scene in israel uh what it looks like uh the drag scene in israel i think much like uh other places is is very it has many, many colors and many different uh communities and uh forms um I think the the main difference is that in Israel, well, Israel is a very small country and everybody knows everybody and uh, the audience and the community is a bit smaller just because Israel is a bit smaller. And uh, very soon we get drag kings, hyper queens and all kinds of forms. But basically um, the drag scene in Israel, um, it's based mostly in the nightlife uh, zone, just like around the world. Um, and most shows consist of what you would expect, or I don't know what I would expect from a drag show, which is a bunch of numbers. Uh, when I say numbers, I mean performers in drag uh, in different looks and characters, um, usually lip syncing to songs or pop songs or diva songs. And in between those, it's like, a, basically it's like a variety show. You have a bunch of numbers and uh, all kinds of emceeing and hosting and people telling jokes and a bit of stand-up in between. One of the things that's special about drag that on the one hand, it's a very, it's kind of a, it's a community art form. It's linked to the queer community in its core. And it's sort of like the place where the queer, the queerdos are going to see shows and it's our, um, it's, it's the kind of culture that we absorb all the time. But on the other hand, it's also sort of um, a gateway uh, for the queer arts to go out. So some shows are made more for straight people or for more of a mainstream audience. And then they might be a little bit more on the pop side, on the fun side. But some other shows are more built on the community, on making us strong, making us um, fight our fights, uh, a bit more political, a bit more um, dealing with events that are happening uh, in our daily lives as queer people, as queer people in Israel, um, and anything you can think about that. I want to know a little bit more about how gender identity, if at all, how it plays uh, into drag and its culture as it's seen here in Israel? I think that it's a very personal question to some people. 
um, I can tell you how I would like for it to play. And I think that I've said a, a little bit in the beginning and then how it is uh, de facto. Um, so like in my idea of drag, gender, the gender identity of the person performing is something that should not be a factor. Uh, because to me, the idea of drag is that on stage, you can be anything you want to be. You can be somebody who you are or the gender that you think uh, that, you, that you consider just yourself to be a part of. But you could also be all the millions of genders that you're not or anything else. So to me personally, drag is, um, I don't view it as a way of expressing my gender identity, but I view it always as a, a way of exploring identities that are not necessarily related to me uh, or exploring even the concept of identity. Um, basically asking more questions than answering them, especially for myself. But I think that in another way, um, drag is an art form that allows the performer or the viewer to discover the genders or the performance of gender that they cannot express in day-to-day -day life. Um, so in one way, I think that it should not matter at all, gender identity, because for me, drag, it doesn't say gender is or my gender is. It says, what is gender? But in other ways, I feel that, or for many people, I think it's liberating. Okay, so it's kind of like the, the idea of, yeah, drag as an escape. Again, that's very personal. It's the way I view it. I'm not sure that everybody views it as an escape. But I feel that drag, in a way, is an escape from, first of all, everything that you're bound inside your life, whether it's your gender, where or your profession, or the way you make a living, or your family, or whatever, because you can make those things in drag. But on the other hand, it's um, it's a very personal it's a very personal experience all the time. So that's uh, that, that's really interesting. I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you approach um, performance in drag and and kind of you know, your uh, experience in performing. So as I said before, when I started doing drag, I I really didn't know what I was going into. I was like, um, yeah, that should be fun. I, I've been studying theater and dance my whole life. Um, when I was, up until I was 18, I was sure I was going to be an actress or a dancer or both or whatever, it, something in that area. And then I went to the army and I kind of gave up on that dream um, and sort of went to the university and live this kind of normal life um and then when i discovered drag um when I, when i started doing it, it was 2014 i was 25 it's kind of late most people start doing it if they do at an earlier at an earlier age i found it to be like a very innocent form of expression i felt it that it was a little bit like the the 17 or 16 year old me was um sitting in her bedroom getting ready to go to school and then um hitting play on the stereo and listening to some song and while you're getting dressed into your school uniform or whatever you're turning into somebody else completely 
and you're suddenly not the person who has a test in math or not the girl who people throw things at or not the person who has to hide things about their life, but you are a superstar on stage or you are this um, person who was just left by their lover and is dealing with a big uh, dilemma, what to do next or whatever story that came up from that music. Um, and, and when I did it on stage, it, it felt like not only I was reliving those innocent days of me wanting to be something with myself or um, doing that, it also felt like I was in, in the purest way possible. I was inviting um, the audience that was standing there and looking at me to experience that with me. Zooming back from the from the more per personal side, um, I wanted to talk about drag as a community and drag as a and kind of a living, breathing organism, right? That that has um, many facets to it. From what I understand, speaking with uh, other people who are familiar with the drag scene, there are some people within that community who feel that there could be some traces of, of sexism uh, in drag culture. And I wanted to ask you if you've experienced that at all or if you've, if you've seen it in any way. Um, and if yes, to elaborate, and if not, to kind of, uh, I guess, give, give your take on, on where that thought could be coming from. So, uh, first of all, the answer is yes, and it, it will always be a yes, even if we talked about bubble, but it, it will be a yes about any subject, because unfortunately, we live in a male-dominated, cis-white male-dominated society, and, um, and the drag scene is also cis-white male-dominated, even, uh, even although it's so queer and everything else. This is just part of society. This is the world we live in. So there are traces of sexism everywhere, first of all. Um, I, unfortunately, this is something I'm not saying with like a happy face, but um, it exists all around us and it is not skip um, the LGBT, LGBTQIA community or the queer community. I think the, the main two aspects of sexism or uh that we encounter in the drag community the first one is quite simple when i tell people that i'm a drag drag king and well you don't see me right now but i very much pass as a woman um i don't try not to pass as a woman it's just like i'm not sure that i identify as one but i i don't care about how i pass um Every time that I tell people that I'm a, that I do drag, the answer is, oh, but really? But I didn't know that women did that. Are women allowed to do drag? And that's a very funny response. And also, it's very it's something that we expect. That it's harder for assigned female at birth performers to get gigs in drag. We have to work twice as hard, if not three times as hard, as queens do, as uh, assigned male at birth uh, performers do. We have to fight for our place constantly, for every show, for every... And I'm saying that as a show producer, as a person who has performed in most of the stages in Israel, um, the big and the small ones, uh, as a person who's performed um, 
in the US and in Berlin. Um, and still everywhere it feels that this is a boys club club or boys who dress as girls club. And we are not necessarily invited in it unless we push our way in. The other aspect of it is a lot of the, especially in mainstream drag shows, a lot of the content is addressed to males. And the content, I have to say that in the, what I'm saying right now is like, in, it has been more harsh in the, in the past. And in the past few years, it's, it's been getting better. So it's not criticism against everyone. everyone. But a lot of the time, the content is... Um, the content, especially during the stand-up, can come out as not feminist or as sexist or as degrading to women. Like the, the first example is, and it's something that we hear a lot on RuPaul's Drag Race or um, in the worldwide drag community, is that drag queens who pass very well refer to themselves as fishy or fish that it, it's like a very it's a very drag lingo it's something that's it's coined and everybody says that but when you think about the origins of that sentence which is something so simple that somebody says on stage um it comes from the stereotype that vaginas smell like fish which is like <laughs> i don't know if i would find things offensive i i think that would be one of the first things that i would find just offensive as a female watching a drag show um, <laughs> so yeah, you can say that there are hints of that, but also I think that in the past few years, especially with, um, global drag becoming so, um, available on the internet and discourse of, um, political, political correctness and, and talk about gender and, um, as things come more available, um, a lot of, um, people in the, especially female people in the audiences feel more free to say this is not okay you cannot say that on stage or you cannot only book um assigned male at birth performers on these stages we will not come we will not like people are becoming more aware so slow like slowly but um i think uh it's becoming a, a more inclusive community we still have a very long way to go uh though but slowly thank you so much for sharing um it's definitely definitely food for thought on you know even something that seems like it is so um inherently i guess inclusive or inherently uh more queer than your average uh form of art that there's still um kind of room for growth yeah uh, i think that the main thing that we need to remember is that the lgbtq community and this is this does not apply only to drag, it applies to the whole community, is still dominated by the people who have the most money and by the people who can invest money in, um, I don't know, growing its culture, but also the people who come to parties, who come to the nightlife events. It feeds itself um, because uh, more queer people, people who are in the uh, lower uh, parts of the community, they don't have as much money. They can't come to shows. They can't necessarily come to shows. Whatever. This is what dominates it. The queer environments are the smaller, the more underground ones. Um, the the more inclusive ones are. Gay men are just are, well before they're gay men. They're men. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Wow. My God, I'm going to come out as a man-hater, right? And I perform as a <laughs> I love men. No, I, I don't think so. Some yeah. of my best big, friends big... are men. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's good to uh, good to hear. Um, to, I guess to take a step back from the the weighty side of of uh kind of that aspect of drag i kind of wanted to know where like we're dying to know actually from from a practical perspective uh what goes into preparing for one of your drag shows but the basic thing is that you have to come and do a number and uh it's basically a mini scale of uh perform of doing like a whole out one hour show but you have to squeeze it into three to four minutes. So I think the first thing is that you choose a song. It can be just something that I like or something that, um, like, I don't know, uh, I really like the Italian song in the Eurovision, so I did it. Um, but it can also be uh, something relevant. For example, when the whole propaganda against BB was starting, I did... Uh, and I'm, I, I, I did a number with uh, You'll Be Back from Hamilton because I, as, as Bibi, Bibi Netanyahu, because I wanted to uh, contribute to the idea of him live, leaving. Um, so the first thing is you choose a song. And when you choose a song, then you also build a story because what, what's fun with lip sync is that you... Um, you can basically keep on existing material and give it a different meaning. For example, doing You'll Be Back, but instead of as King George, you do it as um, our previous prime minister. Um, and then it gives it a little bit of a different meaning. Create, once you've decided on those things, then you have like the two, two different um, narratives that go up. The first one is that you start um, creating the look because a lot of will drag is a visual or art form. And when you decide what character you want to perform as and who you want to be, then you need to become that character, whether it's uh, a prime minister or uh, a businessman or a David Bowie or, uh, or just a weird creature. Um, and that involves uh, <laughs> either a lot of money or a lot of arts and crafts. You start to create that character. Basically, how do you deliver that to a huge stage or a small stage? Um, what's amazing about drag is that it's always so exaggerated. So you, you always parody that character. So you make it a little bit bigger than it actually is. The other part is just as any show would be, you start uh, building that number. You, you have to memorize the lyrics. You have to understand what you're doing, what you're playing on. Um, the art of lip sync to me is it, it's an, it's so amazing because it's like you're not you're not trying to make them think that you're singing the song uh, because well it's obvious that you're not that's the whole idea you want to make it similar enough to the song but to make it far enough from what you're performing to make the audience understand why you're doing this so maybe I don't know if the singer in the song is uh, doing a big like ah, then you have to play as if, I don't know, somebody stepped on you and then you're screaming. So you have to play with it a little bit uh, with the material and organize it to fit your story or for your story to fit uh, the game. It's like a small puzzle. And naturally, 
it comes all together when you go on stage. Uh, the movement and the look and it has to connect. But basically on the day of the show, um, you, you take three hours before and then <laughs> <laughs> you have to take a day off. Easy. Yeah, nothing. As I understand, there is um, kind of an aspect of mentorship within the drag community, or at least there can mm -hmm. be. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask you, um, in your experience, how kings and queens are able to learn the skills necessary um, to pull off the looks, to, to perform these numbers in, in convincing ways. Is there kind of an interplay between, uh, I guess, the old guard and, uh, and, the, and the fresh faces who are, are coming and trying to, to make it? Well, except for certain workshops that are happening, for example, me and, and another drag king, Louis Snow, we're doing a drag king workshop. Um, but there are not, there's not like a school of drag. You don't, it's not something that you learn when you go to acting school or you may get a workshop, uh, but, but that, that would be it. So it is an art form that is uh, passed on by generations. It, it has to be. With the internet, um, for example, makeup skills um, have become something that is easier to learn and you don't really have to to, to get like a person to sit with you for a week to learn how to contour your face. But, um, but, but, but it's still a craft and it's a craft that's, that's necessarily learned from people who have done this for a long time. I've learned a lot from older queens, uh, older, oh my God, it'll kill me, uh, from veteran uh, queens and kings who have... Uh, allowed me to perform on their stages when I just started. And I am making a lot of efforts uh, with my, like now that I've become a more um, established uh, drag artist in Israel to also give out my knowledge to anyone who is asking for it. Um, there are a lot of um, beginner drag shows uh, that we usually try to make there's one that we are producing right now in, in work, which is one of the lines that I work for. It's called Kiki. And one of the main aspects that we, we're trying to maintain there is the mentorship idea, is that it, it doesn't only work as an open stage, but there are a few meetings before the show and people share what they're planning to do. And we try to give as much advice as possible and to help people grow from this experience and not only have it as a well let's see what you can do on stage good luck mm -hmm. um for me personally by the way i think it's more important because as i said before um people don't don't see as many drag kings and the more amazing drag kings they see on stage the more aware and used to the fact that we exist they become so i feel like it's a personal vendetta for me to help young drag kings become amazing um to allow them to have the stage that i got to have myself zoya is there anything that you'd like to add before we finish up here um go see drag drag is fun and amazing um i don't know uh, it's been very fun talking to you <laughs> You can find Zoya on Instagram at fka underscore Anton.
Thanks for listening. We're excited to keep the show going. If you have any suggestions for topics or people whose voices should be heard, drop us a line. You can send us a message on anchor.fm slash israel-underground, and you can also follow us on Facebook at il.underground. Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki farber Hennessy. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. Thank you.